Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. If you want to be on the show or you have questions for the entrepreneurs that are coming on the show, please DM us there. And there is also a phone number I do in our post that you can text if you want to be on the show or have questions as well. If you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're feeling hungry and need food right away but don't want to leave your couch doordash is the way to go so thank you everyone for listening in i appreciate you guys um again uh i try to not have advertisements on this podcast but i do take sponsorship opportunities to help promote the entrepreneurs and within reason i don't want to take away from their story and their marketing and their message so if it compliments them i accept it so there is that um Thank you again, uh, everyone, for listening in. The sharing, I appreciate it. We're actually recording this uh, episode on Easter, even though it won't be released for a few weeks. But happy Easter to everyone, belated. So I will say that. And with that being said, I have Giuliano Rosso of 303 in the cut from Las Vegas, Nevada. How are you doing today, Giuliano? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. I appreciate you taking the time on on Easter to share the love and spread the message and give to the world. I think obviously today is a perfect day to do that. So, tell me about your history, Giuliano. Like, where did you grow up? Uh, did you grow up with entrepreneurial um, influence? And what made you get into the food game? Uh, so I grew <clears throat> I grew up in Denver, Colorado. And uh, very, um, you know, uh, middle, middle, middle class upbringing. Um, my grandfather, he did own a, a bar. Um, so I did, I did grow up with that. You know, there's pictures of me on the pool table at one and two years old in the bar uh, in downtown Denver where the old Ilches used to be. And, you know, as far as, as how I got into the food game, um, my moving to Las Vegas um, around high school, I was, you know, my, my family all worked in the industry, right? Where they were, they were bartending or serving or cocktailing. And, you know, so I had kind of got pushed into that of like, Hey, do this. And I, I my first job was retail. And then I, I was a busser at a, a casino, small casino off the strip uh, in Las Vegas. And I, I liked that. Now, as far as uh, I would say entrepreneur, like how do I get in the food, food game as far as running my own, you know, I, uh, so I got sober about eight years ago, uh, a little over eight years ago. And uh, when I got sober, you know, I, I, uh, I, before I got sober, I could remember that uh, I ate one Tostino's pizza a day with some sriracha on it and maybe a Pepsi or Dr. Pepper. And I, once a day, I was in deep addiction, uh, you know, pretty, pretty gnarly. And I remember when I got sober and I started traveling, I started to have money. I started to eat everything. And we would go to dinner and I would order five appetizers and an entree and we would order everything on the dessert menu to try everything because for over a decade in my addiction i i i'm not bullshitting you and i said i ate one tocino's pizza a day so that's where my love of food really came from of when i discovered it and you know it's i didn't know that i wanted to go into work for myself until i started going back to school started paying for school um and was doing uh business management and I knock out all the core classes and I go to the counselor and say, okay, what's next? And they're like, you need a history credit. And I say, well, how about I take an internship in town with a business, 
to count for my credit. And they're like, no, you have to pay for a history. And that's when I realized school's not for me. I'm not paying them any more money. I'm going to go to work for myself. I just hadn't figured it out at the moment. I love this. Um, so talk to me about, well, I'll get into the, the thing first, but talk to me about this adventure with food. Like you're starting to go, you know, have money in your pocket and I'll go back and touch upon some of these other things uh, later, but I want to sort of jump into the food a little bit. Like, what was it like? Because I do know, like, when you get in a rut or you have something that's going on, you start to limit things or you find these weird routines and things that may not be great, but I can understand the Totino's pizza and the Pepsi or whatever it was, Coca-Cola. I can't remember what you said, but when you started exploring food, you started going out in the world, like talk to me about this. What were you looking for? What were you experiencing? And how did you go about expanding your palate? Because you seem that you were purposely wanting to enjoy these things in this, what I'll call new clarity of life. Um, you know, um, new clarity of life. I like that. I like that. Uh, I would say we just started to travel, whether I had friends from San Diego uh, friends from the South, uh, family in the South, Atlanta, Nashville, um, and back East Chicago. And I would, we would travel, we would travel and go anywhere and do anything on a, on a pretty much a moment's notice because we were living a new life and, you know, we were, we were enjoying it. And I love going to different places and eating great food, whether that meant like high end fine, fine dining or, some of the hottest places in town that are mom and pop shops that were, you know, were just like that late night taco spot that everyone talks about. But it's like, Hey, that's, you know, one place you got to go. So as we started going places like new Orleans and I found the love for uh, Cajun food, I love, I love Cajun food on, on another level, you know, about of Gator and Boudin and, and all that good stuff, uh, banana fosters. And we would just travel more and more. And I, I want to try anything. I will try anything once I'm not scared to, to try food or, um, know what I like and don't like. I am, I am not the pickiest person in the world, but I do, do like quality. I don't like going out and paying for something that's not quality. You know, I don't drink alcohol, obviously, um, being sober. So I don't ever go to a place for ambiance of drinks. That's not my thing. I, I go to places for guest experience and food. So the, the more I could experience that, I was, I was hungry for to, to eat up anything anything that was suggested to me by someone else oh you're going to new orleans make sure you go here make sure you go here oh you're going to chicago you know go here and go here go here oh you're in nashville you have to try this place uh this chicken and waffles place is the best you know we're like oh you're in atlanta go to this cafe this cafe's got the best late night desserts in town blah blah, blah. so i was just ready to experience anything and any suggestion that was given to me i tried it i love this actually and i i'm going to relate a little bit like I've, um, I've probably had maybe, I've been, I haven't had any alcohol since January 1st of 2019. Um, one of the things was clarity of mind, clarity of body, trying to be an entrepreneur, like money, like the amount of money on alcohol. I just, and the, it's not an investment, that's for sure. And, um, and over the last shoot, uh, 13 years, at least I'd maybe had 30 drinks, 33 was, I think around the number 35, somewhere around there total. Um, because I've really understood that impact of alcohol in my own life and family history and how those things can compact in us. And gosh, um, 
step programs and all that, that stuff matters uh, to a lot of individuals and they can be applied to life. Um, and I've met a lot of people who are sober and who have found uh, new ways of life or, you know, there's a clarity of mind because when you're trying to drink all the time, one, you don't enjoy things the same way. You're you're looking for stuff to complement the alcohol versus just enjoying the food itself, I think, in some ways. And so I totally relate to the flavor and the enhancement. And as clarity of mind happens, you start to find purpose or a direction. And whether you intended to or not, food was leading you to a path that's where you had been born into. And from my opinion, God puts us where we can make the most impact and have the most influence and contribute to the world the most. That's including employees and customers and clients and vendors. So I love this this thing. So like, let's talk about the the entrepreneurial spirit and wanting to do things on your own because you went to school, you were like, I, school's not for me. And you decide that you're going to go out on your own. Like, how do you go from there to starting your own business? Um, you know, it didn't, it, it wasn't like a burning bush moment. It didn't, it didn't happen overnight as far as knowing what I wanted to do. I just knew that I want to work for myself. <clears throat> I had been, you know, I worked, I, I was always, even before I got sober, I could maintain multiple jobs. Obviously you need money for, for X, Y, and Z when you're in addiction and whatnot. Um, but afterwards, you know, I, dude, I, I worked, my work ethic was great. And uh, I, I think you, you surround, you start to learn stuff from other people and, then you start to see it for what it is. And it's uh, that working for yourself seems like a great idea. And you, you, but you, at that point, you have no idea what that means. At, at that point, it, when, when someone's thinking of that, because entrepreneurship is, is not for the faint at heart. It's not for the weak. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it's, it's like it happened all of a sudden of the idea of what I was going to do. And I called my dad up and I said, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like, do, do you want to do this? Like, I think we should do this. And he thought it was a great idea. And from that path, it was like tunnel vision. Every, everything I did was, was motivated by that. Everything that I needed to learn, I, you know, I, I took it to the next level of, of trying to learn as much as I could on that journey before actually applying for the license and setting up the business and this and that. So it was, it had been about two and a half year journey at that point or it was when it started before. Yeah. And I understand that because I think we, we stack skills and I think that, um, as your mind clears, you understand taking day one day at a time, right? Everything's one day at a time. I don't need to do it today, but I can keep working towards it, you know, if I want to. And the more I put into it today and the idea, it can come to fruition later, just like, um, just like anything else. So it takes work and it takes time. And I agree with you on the work ethic thing. Like the work ethic has always come naturally to me as well. And, but once I had clarity of mind, it was like I had the work ethic and the mind to go along with it and the clarity of where, where my purpose was or where I need to go, whether I was realizing it or not. Um, my doors opened up or for lack of a better term, God came into my life, my higher power, and I had a relationship and he opened up doors for me that I couldn't open myself for real, um, by doing the work that I needed to do every day. And so like, how'd you come up with the idea of a restaurant? Like, what is it, you know, after all the time you've been spending around food, how'd you come up with the 303 in the cut 
and what is it and what do you do and and what does your menu look like uh so we i was living in uh so i i got sober in prescott arizona it's a small town um at some point i moved out of prescott to scottsdale arizona where i lived for quite a while and uh, i think what four years i lived in uh, scottsdale and i remember working late night because i you know i grew up in vegas so things were open late night you could get food at any time this and that and i remember driving uh home to scottsdale and be like what am i going to eat what am i going to eat and it's late and there is nothing open there's nothing open in and out would be open till one on the weekends the weekday it was not the same there's nothing open and i i was thinking i was like what if you could get drive through right now but that was elevated slightly elevated but that was actually a great product and i thought that was a genius idea i i was like i know i know it would do extremely well there's one thing i know it's people and i know food those are the two things that i know and i just you know i didn't have two million dollars to start a gourmet drive through concept because I, I looked into SBA loans. I, I looked into all that and I didn't qualify with my credit and this and that and how much money I was able to put down. I, I didn't qualify. So we started a late night gourmet food truck in Las Vegas. And I knew that if I could build it in Las Vegas and build it up, I could take it anywhere and do, I could take, I could take it anywhere I wanted. I knew that if I could make it successful in Las Vegas, a melting pot city that is the most over one of the most oversaturated markets as far as food goes i know i know that i could take it anywhere and you know the fact that we've built it up to what it is and there's a hundred people in line before we open sometimes you know that we are busy the entire time we're open it's like a huge accomplishment you know so our menu is things that i love from around the country and i we just put, you know, a little green chili twist on it. You know, we're all, we're American classics with a green chili twist. We make all the sauces and desserts in house, even tiramisu, cheesecake, cannolis we make from scratch. And I think people are really receptive to that, that they can come to a food truck and they get just the same, if not better than the restaurants on the strip. And so, you know, we have a green chili burrito where we smoke our own chicken. We make our own pinto beans. We get real fire roasted green chili from Colorado. Um, we do a, like a crack and fried chicken fries, which is one of our most popular dishes. We actually do a 48 hour buttermilk kiwi brine on our fried chicken. It, we take true care in what we do. Like all our sauces, no lime concentrate. You know, we use real lime juice. And I think people have been really responsive to be able, they want to pay, they, they want the value of stuff. So when you, we enter, when we intersect the amazing food and guest experience because sometimes people lack the basics. People think you can open a food concept and you'll be totally fine. Oh, I've got the food down. I'm really good. But you don't know anything about guest experience or taking care of your own employees. You're, you, you don't have the basics and you won't make it anyways. So the fact that I've been mentored really well um, is, is how we got to the point we are. Talk to me about mentorship. Like, Talk to me about how that came into your life. Talk to me about how you found it and how these individuals have guided you. So I literally, I probably, I wrote well over 300 direct messages, emails, phone calls, uh, handwritten letters to multiple entrepreneurs and large businesses. And when I say large businesses, I mean some of the household names that you could name off 
that you would eat at over the course of a year. Every single large one you can think of, I've written to. I've written to corporate. I've, I've emailed corporate. I've reached out all that I can. Um, two very important people got back to me. Uh, one is Colin Fukunaga of Fuku Burger in Las Vegas. If you Google most successful food trucks in the country, he comes up. Uh, started as a food truck in, I believe, 2012. They now have multiple brick and mortars. They're in the Raiders Stadium. Uh, voted best burger in Las Vegas. Um, top Las Vegas eatery of places to eat. Uh, he is a true entrepreneur of, of, of the food truck game to the high level that I aspire to be. And the other people that got back to me uh, was In-N-Out. In-N-Out also got back to me. And uh, I, I wrote a handwritten letter to Lindsay Snyder, the heiress. And she, her and her COO, Denny Warnick, they got back to me and they laid out a long list of how to build a great company. And the funny thing is, the same kind of things that In-N-Out laid out is the same things that Colin laid out. And I just happened to talk to Colin every single day. We became really good friends. Um, and he pretty much gave me a playbook, a, a playbook of, now I, I've never managed before, right? I've turned it, I was, I was a great worker. I got offered management positions everywhere I worked and I never took it because it sounded horrible. I was like, no, nah, I make more, I'll make more money serving a bartender. I don't want to manage. I'm cool. I don't want to do that. And so not only has he mentored me in how to build up a food truck in Las Vegas we do, of late night, um, he also has taught me how to manage people, how to take care of your employees. Because I thought it was just, you know, hey, be nice to your employees. Hey, guys, how you doing? But, you know, there's so much more into it that I didn't know. There's so many levels to the game of, of true entrepreneurship and owning a business that I think is overseen and overlooked. So as far as mentorship, that is the only reason I am where, where I am today is they led the way and they, like, led the path. Except everything that they told me to do, I, I just 100 x it. I, I literally took it to the next level. Like uh, I was told to pass out. Um, if you read about really successful food concepts, like uh, Torchy's Tacos, for example, um, let's see, Sprinkles Cupcakes, um, you know, uh, uh, Fuku Burger did it. There's a couple other ones I can't think of outside of my head that I've read about. What they did in the beginning was they went and gave their product away for free. They would go to their community where they're at, where they're working in, and they would just give away their product. Because they say, if you have a great product, you know, that's the best marketing you have. And if you ask about me in town, they will not know my name, but they will know me by either the cheesecake or the tiramisu guy. I drop off desserts everywhere relentlessly, even to this day. So the, the, the mentorship plays a huge role. If, if you're going to be a, an entrepreneur, I think you need someone to help lead and guide you. And I, I, I agree with what people say of, oh, well, your failures is what makes you and you learn from your failures. I, I do agree with that. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from that. Uh, I haven't had much failures because someone gave me the playbook and like the, the, the mentors that are willing to give information away freely goes a super long way because the more you give back, the more it comes in circle anyway. Cause I know other people that will give you mentorship, but you got to pay for it. And that's, that's bullshit. Like I'll never do that to someone. So mentorship is like a huge role in my success. It's interesting you say that because I agree with you a lot. That's why I try to give away the podcast for free. No one has to pay for it. No one has to like come in here and pay money to be on the podcast. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there because people were asking me, how much do I have to pay you to be on your podcast? I'm like, oh, well, I didn't even, why would someone do that? But, you know, this is the part where is what's your true mission? And I think that 
this is sort of I want to just put this in here and I want to anchor someone for something for everyone in the audience uh, anyone who is because I feel this is the time to say it and I can say it as well not just because uh, Giuliano's on here but because I am a person of the same cut from the same cloth meaning I have the same things that I have to work through in life is that what I have found in in the individuals that I work with that have found sobriety is that what happens with something negative, we spend so much time in negativity and on an addiction and so many resources on it. On top of that, we spend all the energy trying to keep our lives together and prove to everyone we're not an addict, right? Or we don't have a problem. But then what happens when it goes away is, and we work a program or the 12 steps, which should be, any human should do a 12-step program regardless of if you have an addiction or or you have a, a problem or a mental problem or whatever it is. Because one of the things it does is I truly believe if you follow it and you stay on it, it's like a superpower that complements you. And if you're an entrepreneur in the space, like I feel that these type of programs complement the information. It's one thing to read a book. It's one thing to hear about Ben Franklin's 13 virtues, but unless we put it into place in a program and surround ourselves with other individuals who are elevating themselves similarly, similarly, not just in entrepreneurism, which is the mentor part, but in a program, I feel that that's happened. And one of the things I will say about you, Giuliano, is that just because things are negative in our past, right, doesn't mean that they aren't there to create us who we're supposed to be in God's image of us or what he wants for us or who, what our purpose is. So in your case, I feel that you found this just like many other individuals and now it's become a superpower if you stay on a path if you don't stay on a path it's kryptonite but if you stay on the path you're superman and that's a very true thing to me and i think that you as an entrepreneur have found a momentum and a purpose and a giving to people and on one hand um you, you you had you know a hard history and a hard time but on the other hand it created this beautiful thing in this beautiful business that probably helps hundreds of people um, indirectly and uh, you know uh, maybe 20 30 people directly um, based on what your venture is in the new version of you who you are the person you were supposed to be and on your journey to be fulfill yourself and find your true potential I guess so Talk to me a little bit about what motivates you now. Like, how has your life changed? What what does the business mean to you? And and what are you? How are you trying to impact people with it? Um, you know, so my life my life has changed as far as as the business goes. You know, you you go from a part of uh, working in your business every day to like almost you know to that next level of working on your business. Um, you know, we went from two employees to 13 you know like we have huge growth and as far as what motivates me is like you know i i have i don't have these goals of like i need to buy a a lamborghini i i don't i, I don't I, I i'm not you need money to do any anything do not get me wrong and do i do i want success in the form of money of course i do but i also realize i want to make more of an impact uh, you know, we, 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 I say things out loud all the time. We're going to change the game of drive-through. We're going to change this of what you can get fast, casual and drive through. We are going to be in the same conversation as in and out and Chick-fil-A. I don't want to be compared to them in that sense, 
but we're going to be in that same conversation. And I want to build a great company to work for. That, those are, that's what I want to be written about. I don't want to be written about the recipes that I created. I don't want to be written about me and myself. I want to be written about that we created a great company to work for. One through and through. One that people worked for for decades. One where there was benefits and competitive wages and that people actually enjoyed their job. And that's what motivates me to this day. So I love feeding people. I love people. I love the guest experience of interacting with the humans. People come and spend money with us. Like, I'm so grateful for that. Like, the kind of, uh, of like, hide that gives you in itself. Or people are like, oh, I love your food, all this and that, blah, blah. Like, I'm grateful for that. And I'm motivated by building this thing up. I don't have any motivations to sell it. I don't have any motivations to franchise this company. Um, I want to keep it, you know, like in and out, how it's a privately owned company and they've reached beyond states. And uh, I, I want to provide for others. That, that is my number one thing. And what I've realized is when you talk about community, because that's my, my mentor also, by the way, I think why we hit it off so well, he's also sober. Um, uh, I think when you hear him talk about things, um, we were, we, this is a little funny story. We were talking about, you know, I obviously in the restaurant business, you talk about food costs and you talk about labor and we're talking about stuff and I'm stressing out about things because my labor was, was, was pretty high one week, you know, and we were super busy and it was still pretty high. And he was like, he was like, weak ass companies worry about their bottom line. He's like companies that answer to stockholders worry about their bottom line. He's like, worry about your employees and your guest experience, the people that come and spend money with you. And that's where I realized he's just on a different level of like, uh, of the mindset. And that's where I've realized is that's what I want. Like that is my main concern. And that's what motivates me. I work for a lot of shitty people. And so like in creating this company and to what we've grown to, like I want to take care of my employees. That's what I want. I want people to spend money with us and actually feel like we care. And that's what people don't realize is when you put those things first, the money flows anyways. And that's why we've done so well. And the, and we are super busy and, and growing and revenue is up. Like, because those are the things that I have put first for the past year and a half. I didn't just start doing that in the past, the past month. So as far as like what really motivates me and drives me the other day, besides to keep working for myself, I don't ever want to go back to work for anyone. It's that I'm building this for other people. That, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. It's like, I want these I want these people to love to come to work. I want these people to be able to take care of their family the same way that I'm going to be able to financially take care of my family. And the food and, and the interaction with people, that's, that's an even bigger cherry on top, you know? So that, that, that's what motivates me. How do you build the relationship with your employees and, and the people around you, your team members? Because it's obviously, can you give a few examples? Because I, I think you're, you're obviously very well-spoken and uh, you've had a lot of good mentors. Um, you got to know how, what like makes your employees tick. You got to know what motivates them. Like, it's not, I think I touched, I said it before in this, uh, it's not a matter of just coming in and being nice. Hey, how's everyone doing this and that, blah, blah. You know, like you have to know what motivates them. And, and like, if they know that you actually care about them as a person and you care about their goals and you, you know, I, I have, I do things like a fortune 500 company. They say, if you want to be big, you got to act big. Right. And I, I do shit just, just like a Fortune 500 company, just like it. employee reviews, all kinds of stuff. And I think they're taken back by that. You know, I'm asked, hey, how is everything? How are you doing? 
what are your goals in the next six months? They're like, what do you mean with 303 in the cup? I'm like, no, yours, yours personally. What's going on with you? And I, like, I can only imagine if you were on a larger level, if you still did that. Imagine, imagine if the CEO of a huge company that's across, reached across states was able to take that time and go talk to every employee, whether that took six months to do by traveling from location to location. Can you imagine what kind of impact that would have? So, so learning what, what makes your employees tick is that's what it is. You got to win. It's like winning the hearts and minds and stuff. You know what I mean? Like people don't leave because of money. People leave because of poor management. So you got to lead from the front. You know what I mean? I've worked for a lot of shitty people. So I know what it's like to fucking hate my job. But I try to stay motivated and keep them motivated is just by knowing what makes them tick and what makes them happy. If you know the basis of that, you've got the insight and you just, you lean into that super hard. Awesome. Let's go back a little bit on the food. I want to talk about Colorado. Obviously, that's where you grew up and the green chili because I I lived there for eight years and obviously understand that everything's smothered in green chili. So you brought that with you. Was that something you've always enjoyed growing up and something that you so, you so knew was I, going to be a part of your menu? Yeah, no. So I, I knew it. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to do. OK, so this is what happened. So I got sober. I'm living in uh, Prescott, Arizona. I'm living in Scottsdale for a while. Every time we would go to Vegas, uh, my mom would make this green chili burrito, right? Same thing she's made since I was a kid. And I just grew up with it. So it's nostalgic to me. Every single friend of mine that came didn't matter what their background was. Didn't matter where they were from. They were like, that's the best burrito I've ever had. And I'm thinking like, oh, they're being nice, this and that. And that went on for two years. And like, to this day, the fact that like, People will wait two hours in line for our food is, is crazy to me. So that's, that's where that stemmed from. When, that, when I realized, like, you know what? I bet this will kill it. Like, you know, it's like, oh, all your friends are just being nice. They're telling your mom this, blah, blah. And, and then it, it hits you. And you're like, you know what? I bet if I brought green chili to the streets of Las Vegas, and it's not just a Mexican concept. Because, you know, we have a Philly cheesesteak. We have a green chili burrito. We got loaded fries. We got a deep fried hot dog with a Philly cheesesteak over it. We have tiramisu. We have cheesecake. We have cannolis. We make our own like prickly pear drinks, like a limeade and a cutty juice. Like it's, it's the weirdest menu that anyone has seen that people will tell you, you can't put tiramisu and Philly, Philly cheesesteak on the same menu. An hour and a, people wait an hour and a half in line. Yes, you can. If you make a product good and you make the guest experience good, you can do whatever. So I just knew that was going to be green chili because I love green chili. And that, that's how that came about. This is such an incredible story. I love your story. I honestly, if, um, and it's amazing that we're telling it right now because I think that these things have stacked up in your life. And if if anyone, any entrepreneur that's successful understands how to capitalize on life or what everyone thinks is luck, it's really just opportunity. And the opportunity creates because we weirdly stack skills over a lifetime and just certain humans were able to turn those life skills or those life things we stacked up in life or memories or whatever because i think you gained a skill from your mother on the green chili and the burrito which became the skill that is now one of the things that help you give people what they want which when people are happy they come to you and they're willing to exchange money for whatever it is that you have i think that that's what you've done um what's the most popular item on your menu is it the burrito uh yeah the green chili burrito is our number one item 
And then uh, the, the cheesecake sandwich in the cut style, uh, that's our second most popular item. Uh, that's awesome. So um, as we, we move into this, talk to me. How did you find a food truck? You're in the middle of Las Vegas. Like, wh- how did you design it? Where did you come up with ideas? Did you get help with all that from mentors and stuff like that? It's because it's not always easy to make that leap. Um, yeah, so, like, I had been looking into it. And uh, one, one of the people, one of the early people when I was living in Prescott, they owned a restaurant up there, very successful restaurant. And they told me, like, dude, I think that's great. You, you're going to start your own thing. You're going to do a food truck. Like, that's awesome. They're like, go get a job with a food truck company. Start there. And so I went and got a job with a food truck company, and you learn a lot of stuff that way. And I was actually living in Scottsdale um, looking for things in Las Vegas. And when I found one, I drove out to Las Vegas. We bought it. We brought it back to Scottsdale. We fixed it up. And then I eventually made the move to Las Vegas. Um, you know, and you, you actually learn a lot of stuff along the way. So, like, and that's what I mean by things that you don't get mentored by, you just find out by yourself. You, you learn a lot of stuff the hard way. You buy time and money. So I've definitely made a lot of mistakes in starting this and having to pay for things. You know, like I did a $10,000 mistake. I was looking at the hood and I didn't touch something in the hood that it was makeshift. And the health department did. So when I was getting my inspection, not only, not only did I lose the $300 in, inspection fee, uh, I also uh, had to get it fixed. And getting it fixed uh, was ten grand or $10,000. So I, I could have got, got a lower price for that food truck, but I didn't, I didn't do that. So it, it is a hard transition. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saved up my own money. I worked multiple jobs for multiple years and leading up to this, knowing that I was going to do a food truck. And that's in, a, in that whole process, you know, it's a, like I'm, I'm, my background is not a chef. I worked front of house uh, forever, front of house. And uh, when it was time to do what I wanted to do, I figured out my menu and I, I, if you, I could tell you everything about my menu, like how we do stuff, the seasonings, this and that. I made, I made up all these sauces. Like I created this whole thing. But if you ask me to do anything else in the culinary world, I probably don't even know how to properly cut an onion because I'm not from that part of the world. But everything I learned was, you know, spending time with people who have done it before me. So just like the food, it's just like the food truck. You know, you become become everything. You're changing the oil, fixing things. Like you learn everything about LP inspections and city permits and then you learn about food truck laws then you learn about trailers in general because it's 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 a trailer it's a food truck like you have to learn it on a, on a car level as well so as far as that you know i love this and um talk to me about how you recruit employees how'd you find them how'd you get people to to buy into your business how do you do that now because i you know i gotta imagine you're pretty busy and it is late night hours um, so my very first employee, uh, a buddy of mine, tattoo artist in Las Vegas, a very busy shop. He posted something on his Instagram story. Uh, she found out that way and she applied with me. So I had two initial employees. Um, and this, this woman, uh, Pollyanna, she's amazing. Shout out to you, Pollyanna, if you're listening. Uh, she is top notch. She's been with me since the very beginning. And then we had another person come in later and then, uh, we had this rapid growth, this rapid progression. Uh, we did do zip recruiter. That was good. And, and word of mouth, other people in town, Las Vegas is actually a really small town. It's a very small industry town. Uh, so that's how I find it. And then you get people working for us. 
they're honestly the best cheerleaders out of anyone. The, the people that come and eat with you, enjoy your food, they'll talk about you and they say, oh, they're looking for people, blah, blah. But the people that work for you, that love working for you, when it's time to look for other people, they'll say it more than you. Obviously, ZipRecruiter, we use quite a bit. Uh, that one gives us good results. But I also pay more than the majority of restaurants in Las Vegas. Now, the ones I obviously can't compete with at the moment is the strip. Sometimes the strip pays 20, 20 to $25 an hour plus benefits. And I don't offer benefits, uh, you know. Um, but my ZipRecruiter ads get, get answered very, very fast because I pay a, a high hourly wage compared to the rest of the city plus tip share. So that's another thing. Like everyone who works on the truck, you know, gets a tip share and, you know, they do really well as far as what that equals out. So that, that's, that's how I get more and more people. I love a tip share also because it includes like it makes your whole business and gives everyone in the business. If you pay them a good wage and you do a tip share with everyone, uh, like everyone's working towards that extra money and that money doesn't come out of your bottom line. That's just extra money the customers are paying to pay all of your employees, which why wouldn't you do that? Because that keeps them happy. It gives them more money, helps fulfill their dreams, and it doesn't take away from your bottom line. Not like I'm worried about the bottom line to your point, because I agree if you focus on the clients, you focus on your employees and you focus on on your vendors and build good relationships, the money comes. And you got to have a good product, obviously. You need to take the time to listen to people's feedback and have good products. You need to see what sells more and stuff like that. But I love what you're doing, uh, Juliana, with all the layering. And I love that it's anchored by Colorado Green Chili because it is unique. If anyone, like, I smother everything in him. Like, I didn't even know it existed till I moved there, whether it's grilled cheese or... <laughs> or cheesesteaks, or hot dogs, or burritos, or quesadillas, it does not matter. Eggs in the morning, omelets. Um, I don't even, I can't even tell you how much it came into my life. And I'm just thinking about, it, I actually have drool coming down because it's been a while since I've had it. And I'm thinking about, how do I make that? Because I agree with you, if I can't find it here, I'm going to make it because I'm on the East Coast right now. And being out of Nashville and out of New York City right now, mainly, um, we don't have stuff like that. So I bet I could find it somewhere in New York if I really looked. But talk to me about you, your family and you, you and, and how they've dealt with you being an entrepreneur and the success. Are they involved in the business? Uh, do you hope they're involved in it? I mean, how has all that sort of progressed as you've gotten into this business? And obviously you've grown stronger and more diverse as a human as well um, in the last eight years? So my, my family is key. I wouldn't, as much as the mentorship is important, um, you know, my, my mentor wasn't, wasn't there with me every day in the thick of it. Um, so my dad uh, is also my business partner and he, he used to help out a lot, a lot. We used to do everything together. We spent a lot of time together. I grew closer to my dad in the past year and a half than I had my entire life. So I, I did, I really enjoyed that. I got to know my dad more and we got to just hang out. Uh, so that's huge. Um, and my, so my father, my mother, and my brother and sisters, they've all been super supportive. My fiance has been the number one key. She's held it down. So we have a two-year-old son. And uh, so the plan was already to move to Las Vegas to start this food truck. I lived in Scottsdale with her and COVID happened and we got pregnant, right? Right as the country shut down. March March 16th is my birthday. I remember that's when Arizona shut down the next day because I worked on my birthday and the next day we were out of a job. And uh, 
a week later we found out that we were, we were pregnant. She was pregnant. And so um, she's been huge in this. She still lives in Arizona um, uh, with the baby with, you know, we, we, we had hardship, right? When I, you know, people think you own a business and you just have money flowing in, like there's overhead, there's labor, you know, and we were making 20, 20, $50 a night. I can remember those nights. I can remember the first night we made 300. I can remember the first night we made a thousand, you know, and then I can remember when we were making thousand dollars an hour. I, I can, I can vividly remember every single one of those points and the entire time she's been holding it down for us. Uh, she comes back every couple of weeks. So I come out to Scottsdale to visit her so that I can spend time with them. Uh, Cause it's hard to wake up and, and not see your kid. You know, it's a, uh, it's a very challenging and without their support, I, I would be fucked. It would be, so, I, I, I don't, my life would not be as easy as it is. They make it easier with me because I have their, all their support and they believe in it before it was busy. Yeah. I don't think they, I knew from the get go how big my goals were. My goals are, are huge. They're gigantic, you know? Um, and I think little by little, they all started to realize like, oh shit, you are really going to accomplish all these goals that you've been speaking about for years. You really are going to change the game and drive through, aren't you? You really are going to make it to multiple states. And I believed it from the get-go. I've always had their support. And I think over time, the more they saw it, the more they truly believed it. I think they believed in me anyways, that we would be okay and be able to pay the bills and, and I would build something successful. But I think they start to see it for what it is today. And they realize that everything that I speak out loud, it's, it's going to happen. And so my family's a huge part in that. And, you know, we had other family members, um, you know, further out that didn't, didn't believe in us. They didn't think it would do well in this and that. And like, here we are thriving today. And it's a scary thing. Entrepreneurship is a scary thing. Like dumping all your money into one business, having people like people are going to either believe in you and back you and help you all that they can or they're not. So I'm very lucky to have her and her family. Her family used to own restaurants in Detroit and stuff like that. And Scottsdale as well. They're huge in helping when things come up or this or that. But now I'm at a growing point where I have plenty of employees where I don't have to use my family as much for things. I'm, I'm at a real business point of, uh, you know, everyone's on payroll, doing everything by the book. You know, it's, it's, it's been a huge growth. And without the support of my family, I would have been, <laughs> I, I mean, you obviously know entrepreneurship's a lonely road, man. You spend a lot of time by yourself, like to, to, to be what it is. It, to be a true entrepreneur, it really takes you to be obsessive and be a perfectionist, you know, and you have to have that drive. And it's, it's, you have to have discipline because that motivation, people have say, oh, motivation will take you so far. Motivation will die out. I don't care who you are. The motivation will die out. You can't wake up every day and be motivated, but you have to have discipline. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for the, the role that my family plays in this. I wouldn't be where I am today without that. Yeah, I want to um, anchor some things that you said. One is is that um, the motivation part, because I agree with you. If you start to get stale in your business, even though the business isn't stale, you as an entrepreneur and the leader can actually ruin your business unintentionally. If you lose your purpose in it, which is your motivation, like I've seen it a lot, where all of a sudden the person loses interest or they're not finding their purpose in it anymore. They lack the motivation. And all of the employees and everything that happens in your business is a reflection of the leader. So the business goes down the tube. The other thing that I thought that you said was great was 
mentors and stuff that aren't there all the time. So when we pick our relationships and, and we choose the people that we, we bring into our lives or surround ourselves with, we often need people that are positive and, 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 and actually will help hold us accountable and help educate us and grow us and make us better. No different than a sponsor or a mentor. I kind of see them in a similar way. If I want a mentor, they've also got to act like a sponsor. They're going to hold my ass accountable. They're going to tell me what I'm doing wrong and they're going to tell me what they think I should be doing right. They may not be right 100% of the time, but a lot of the time I need an outside thought outside my head because as an entrepreneur, I am alone all the time. And I will say this, even when I've had partners or entrepreneur partners, if you're a true visionary and you're out there, you're the tip of the spear cutting the flesh, as I call it, as a true visionary entrepreneur, you are alone a majority of the time, especially in your own head and with your thoughts, especially when you're trying to develop something and it's not yet, you don't even know what you're developing. You're just like, I know I have to go this way. And it's hard to explain it to people and, and the people closest to you can become the most frustrated with you because there's times like you're just so in your head or so into this thought or needing to work on your business that you withdraw. So finding presence, I think, as an entrepreneur is really important, as you said, you know, being there for your family, but also having them there for you. And I also think that the loneliness that's in entrepreneurship, no matter, you know, I'm in an Arite and I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs and I'm on, I do this podcast all the time and there's lots of entrepreneurs that are on it, but still I'm an entrepreneur and a visionary and my visionary and my entrepreneurial ingenuity and my entrepreneurial dreams are mine individually and mine that, you know, that probably God only understands truly because, you know, my ambition is about delivering to other people and giving them something and an experience and the money comes along with it to your point. So there's a lot of loneliness and feeling sometimes in failure or in, in, in success also because you don't want it to go to your head because you don't want to lose the motivation and you want everyone to celebrate it, but you, you're self have to sometimes be careful not to over celebrate because you may lose motivation and you may have comfort. So, well, and that's, and I, I see, I love the point that you say that because, you know, the thing is it's, so I'm a spaz. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a real spaz and uh, I'm a perfectionist and I'm obsessive. And so it's a double headed spear. Like I, I can't turn it off. I've been, I've been working on this for now. Like, with being open a year and a half and it took two and a half years to get there that's when I really started saving money and doing this and that and I've been obsessive and just on this path right and it's a double headed spear like I can't turn it off it's really hard to actually quiet my brain and not be thinking about how I can better this how I can do this Um, and when something needs to get done I have that mindset it needs to get done now let's figure it out no we don't put stuff off That's, that's that's we don't let things fall by the wayside so I have prospered in business and little by little, I learned the balance of it all. And uh, I learned the balance of it all. And when you learn that balance of it, you help balance the family life a little bit better. I am not, people have different mindsets of this and that. And I've just been mentored and the things that I look at and look up to, um, you know, like I don't turn my phone off. I don't, I don't have a day where I say, Hey, this is family day. Hey, I got to do this or that, or no, I'm not doing anything for 303 today. Um, because I, I'm not against anyone except myself. I used to think that, Oh, you're competing against all these other businesses. And when you become a, a true, true business person, true entrepreneur, you realize of, of 
competition is good for business and you're only working against yourself. And if you worry about that, you're good. And I don't have, I just don't turn it off. And I, so I realized where will, where will I, where will I be in, in 10 years compared to the guy that takes Sundays off? Where will I be? You know what I'm saying? It's, um, I, I don't, I don't take those days off. I don't do that. I don't shut those things down. Um, so I, I, I don't have a balance like that. And people say that that's unhealthy and this and that. I have just learned to put my family and my friends and my relationships just as important as my sobriety and my business because my sobriety is my number one thing that keeps me to where I am. And when I put that first, my business, my employees, the people that I love and care for, they feel that they're just as important as my sobriety because it's a balance of it all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love this because I love what you're saying because one of the things is is there's always progress and I get it the perfectionism also and I I just and the competition against oneself so I'm going to anchor this a little bit it's like I'm always trying to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday and I think that that's part of it I think you talked a little bit about the perfection and everything and and trying to get things right I think that that's always seeking progress you know not necessarily perfectionism but it is it is trying to make things everything better or I agree with you I want everything to go right I don't want there to be a problem and the more we learn it the less issues there are so if there's a perfect process that's awesome it's not I'm seeking to be perfect myself I'm seeking to have progress and know that I'll never be perfect but I can always strive for long-term excellence in life so I just want to disassociate those two that perfectionism in a process is different than seeking perfectionism as a person or a human and I think that what you're doing is by constantly progressing as a human and competing against yourself, you're actually perfecting the systems in your business and the products and the recipes and everything else. So I love that, Juliana. I think it's a huge anchoring point for the audience um, that you said that. And you're right. No one's going to motivate you except for you. At the end of the day, you can rely on anything else. But at the end of the day, it comes down to us. It comes down to our lifestyle. It comes down to we're recording on Easter. So we're obviously doing this 24-7 and we're dedicated to our businesses. And I'm going to say this for everyone. Just because we're talking about sobriety is a 24-7 thing. Okay, Your business is a 24-7 thing. Your life is a 24-7 thing. If you want to have results being an athlete, being whatever, you live it 24-7. Okay, So to think that we shouldn't do that as entrepreneurs or in our world, that it isn't a seven-day-a-week thing, and our balance is in the consistency and the discipline daily. No different than, than having the ability to not have a drink. There's discipline that we have to perform daily to execute our businesses. And if we don't do them, we lose ground on ourselves and on our competition, whatever that looks like. And while I agree you should never focus on your competition, you should only focus on you, your competition, if they are going seven days a week, they're going to gain ground because guess what? Distance is made on weekends, especially in this world. And distance is made by make, working extra time. And I've made numerous amounts of distance while everyone else was having kids and having children and all that while I had relationships and I raised two stepdaughters, uh, basically. They know they raised themselves, actually, and their parents did most of the work. I just contributed where a step-parent would come in and however I could to make sure they had the best life possible and could achieve their dreams. It's, 
that we enable a good life and we enable a good business and we build good things in our lives when we practice these steps or we practice these processes. And I'm kind of jumping around. I hope everyone's keeping up with what I'm saying and I'm a little bit talking fast because I want everyone to feel the excitement of what I'm talking about here. There is great reward in learning to do things like a 75 hard or a 365 hard or the consistency that comes out of programs that individuals who have hardship that choose that to fight that hardship and live a sober life, for example, or a non-addicted life. They have to go through something. It's 24-7. It is. And so to think that our businesses and to achieve excellence in this life is not a 24-7 thing, I challenge anyone to tell me otherwise because I know Socrates, I know Ben Franklin, and I know Jesus, and they did it in their entirety of their life, not just on weekends or not just on weekdays. So if I'm going to be a business person and that's how I spend a majority of my time and I help my family, a majority of my family's help by my entrepreneurial ventures, then I'm pretty sure I should probably be working on it every day. I think that I think that's fantastic, and it's like you know people love sports. So let's like you know let's let's take it back to, to relate to sports. People talk about Kobe Bryant and being the goat and this and that, right? Um, and there's stories about him of like guys saying that they would get to the gym in the morning, he was already there, and these guys would leave, and he was still there, or that he would do he would do that extra practice, or they would be somewhere, and all the all the guys would go out drinking, clubbing one night. And then Kobe's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the gym. Like, uh, no, I'm practicing for that. And, like, people will say, oh, well, no, you got to have some sort of balance. Now, listen, greatness requires sacrifice. You know what I mean? And I, if the trajectory that I'm on, if I want to keep the trajectory, just like you said, it's got to be a 24-7 thing. If you're, it, it, it's just, if you want to be mentioned among the greats, it's going to take a lot. It's not going to take, you can't take Sundays for family day. You can't say, oh, I don't work. I don't work Mondays, Tuesdays. I let everyone else take care of everything. I shut down. I, I don't do that. My phone stays on. I do all this because just like you're saying with the sobriety thing and, and everything else, and you work on yourself a little bit every day, just a, even if it's just a little bit, that's better than not working on yourself that day at all. And you're right. That other person, there's other people out there that are thinking probably the same thing as me. I don't know if they're thinking of a gourmet drive through of gourmet on the go as the same way I am. But if someone is, I'm going to make sure that I, I that I I make it there before them. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a mindset, you know. Absolutely, and I have two more questions for you as we we finish off here. So we'll start to wind things down a little bit. When you decided to do the food truck and you started saving money, did you know the number you were going to have, and did you do that because you wanted to start your business debt free? I mean, talk to me about the saving, the mentality. Why do it for two and a half years? Why not take a shortcut? Talk to me about that. So uh, if you take on, now this isn't true all the time, but if you take on investors, uh, you can lose sight of your main goal. People are like, okay, well, you, you have mainly sweat equity and I, I paid for the majority of it. I want to do this. I want to add this to the menu. Or I think we should do this. And I'm thinking, first off, I didn't want to answer to anyone. I knew exactly what I was building. I had a vision of it. I knew exactly where I wanted to be in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years before I bought the food truck. I knew it. And so I didn't want to take on any investors. And I also didn't want to be in debt. So now also in that two and a half years, I also learned all that I could. Like as far as cooking, as far as this and that, I learned so much in that two and a half years of when I was stacking up money 
it was perfect. If I would have rushed into it, like COVID, COVID did me a favor. As much as I, I like, I if I I would have been open during COVID, I would have killed it in Vegas. I because they would have let me stay open. I had a I had my own regular spot, and we would have been so busy. But I wouldn't have known nearly as much as that year that set me back. Because in that COVID year, I learned so much. I learned, um, you know, like one of my jobs, I made hand sanitizer during the pandemic because I instead of taking unemployment, I thought I would make more money doing that, and so I did that. And that was one of the best bosses I've ever had. I learned a lot from that guy as far as being patient and being a good leader. Um, and, and the things that I learned over that year with food and everything else and about myself, that was a, a huge thing. So I didn't have an exact number, but I stacked. I lived super disciplined. Uh, we still went out to eat here and there. I went on a couple big vacations. But working three jobs, I worked seven days a week pretty much. I would wake up in the morning, make hand sanitizer. This is when the country opened back up. I would wake up, make hand sanitizer in the morning, be done by 12 or 1, uh, go to the gym, come home, shower, and go to my night job. Then bartend uh, weddings on the weekend. And when the food truck company needed me for events, only in the food truck, I, I, worked, I worked the food truck. And um, it was just, I knew that I was going to need a good amount of money. And the more you look into it, you're like, oh, well, well, this is this much, this is this much, licenses are this, and it all adds up. Like you, whatever you think can go wrong, it will go wrong. Whatever you think you have enough money, save more. You you need more, and uh, and you can take on investors. You can get a loan. You can. I I just I can't speak on that personally because I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, and the funny thing is, once you build up your own company and you you get to the point where we're at, now people are are beating down the door to throw money at us. They, they want to invest. They want to do this. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not in the business of making money. I'm in the business of actually building a great company. So like, I don't, I don't need to, to build three stores right now. There's no, there's no sense to, to venture out like that. So having you saving up your own money, you have to have a vision and goal of where you're going. Do you, do you want to start a catering company and you want to focus on whatever the Delaware area, right? And you want to be, known for uh, all of like the, the company catering and that's what you want you want to work during the busy season and you want to be fairly steady and, and uh, fairly steady and be able to take uh the, the weekends off is that what you want do you want to own a bike company in hilton head and make three hundred thousand dollars a year and not not have to worry about anything during the slow season and just have one employee on just to keep the doors open like what are your long-term goals and that should reflect the money that you save and set aside or that you work towards. I love it. So I'm going to have you back on the show. Definitely, Juliana. I'll reach out to you maybe sometime over the summer, like when things after you get through the summer or the busy time in Las Vegas. But I'm definitely going to have you back on because I have a lot of other questions, even though I said I only had one left because I don't I don't have time to ask the rest. And I want to make sure we all have time today with our families and stuff since it is Easter. The um, this is my question. Um, all the mentorship you've had in coaching, sponsorship, all that stuff that's come your way. What is it that you know? Some of the main things you think leaders should have or a mentor should have to really influence this world. And if if that's um, in the regards of how would you share that with the audience so they might grow also, if that makes sense. A leader. A true leader leads from the front. A true leader sets by example. 
a true leader thinks about like you keep morale up, right? You, you set a tone. A leader sets a tone and a, and a real leader thinks about others before he thinks about himself. And the mentors I have do that exact same thing. They talk about community. They talk about their employees. They talk about their product. And that's the secret to it all. That's why I'm doing so well. I would be in a lot bigger trouble and not doing as well if 90% of other business owners put their employees, their product, and the people that spend money with them first. But the majority of business owners do not think like that. And that's a good thing for me. You know, unfortunately, it's not a good thing for other employees and this and that. But all that's what I've learned from my mentors. They, they, they all are super successful. And for me, what success looks like is the fact of they have time. They, they have their time back. You know, they don't answer to anyone. And they do have a lot of money. They're, you know, they're very, very wealthy, like very well off. But all these people don't talk about money. These people that lead me and mentor me, they talk about their taking care of their employees. They talk about community. And they talk about the product and people that spend money with them. That's the, what they care about. And so that's the secret to it all of what I've learned is when you put that stuff first, the money flows anyway. It's a, you know, but you have to be genuine in that thought process. So a leader sets the tone, a leader leads from the front, and a leader thinks of others before he thinks of himself. And if you have those traits and qualities as a leader and an entrepreneur, you, you'll skyrocket above everyone else. It's, it's almost easy with enough consistency and discipline. It's fucking easy. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because... I know that there are people that focus on money and make money, but the money doesn't stay because they've come so accustomed to focusing on money that that's what they focus on to get the money. And I will tell you also, a lot of people that focus on it, focus on it for the wrong reasons and they rob their business of what you're talking about. So I'm going to say a couple things here as we end up. One is, is that money is the greatest when it's earned by doing the right things in the world, not by seeking it, not by trying to sell something, someone or trying to get them to buy it or, or trying to make money off them or seeing a dollar sign as we talk about over a client's head. It's about building these relationships with everyone and, and providing a good service and a good product that then they're willing to pay for. The money's the secondary part. The human being, we want relationships. We want value. We want to feel valued ourselves. So we want relationships. We want someone to know us. We want a good product. We want to know that the money we're spending as a client or a consumer is going to a good company or a good person. So if it seems transactional too much, even if you have a good product, your restaurant, your food truck, whatever, people see that. People see that you see them, that you're using them just for the money, for lack of a better term. And your business and businesses do suffer. I've been in relationships where the individual's done this. I've been in relationships with entrepreneurs I've done. I've had business partners that have done this. I've had vendors who I watch do it to their business. I've had children who come up second, third generation that thinks their parents worried about money and cars and that's how they made their money. So they need to do the same thing, not realizing that their parents just cared about a solution and providing a good product and building relationships with people. So there's all these sorts of things that I think are important. And you want loyal employees for like 24 years or whatever, you build relationships with all of them. And I think, you know, 25, 20, 100 years, whatever it is in their families, you build relationships. And often, if you have a growing business, a lot of individuals understand that the vendors and the employees and your family members and all the people you're nice to also become your clients or customers. 
and you and because they see you're not using people if they can sense that you're not using them and it's not just about a dollar and a transactional deal that there's more substance to it that you care about it that you're delivering good product that you want to deliver the best service and relationship as possible and and it's not about the money because we are just trying to do two things okay which is the successful thing and while i say it's not about money here's what being an entrepreneur will lead you by doing the right thing and taking care of the people around you success is financial freedom meaning i don't it's not about the money but i want the freedom to be able to do what i want without someone my boss who can fire me or whoever it means i get to choose how i make my income and i get to choose how to live my life to do that okay that's what i mean by financial freedom that means i get to do the right thing i don't have to go to a job just because it's transaction on a paycheck and that person's going to look at me you're here to do a job i don't really give two fucks about you you're expendable i can hire someone else anytime to do your job and you really have no security so financial freedom is security just saying and it may seem like it's not but as an entrepreneur when you can make your own money and you can learn how to be self-sufficient your own man or woman in that regard it is free the second part I will say to success is the independence to build your own legacy. I don't need to worry about someone else's opinion or someone else's thing in school or whatever for my family, or I don't allow my family to be influenced by negative things because I've got to take income or a job to do that. Being an entrepreneur, I get to influence my family and build a legacy for my family that lasts forever. I also get to choose, weirdly, in the entrepreneur world, I gain the power to start to change my family history, okay? It's beyond just... Um, I'm going to not do this anymore and I'm going to lead by example. But when you become an entrepreneur and a leader and people look up to you and you're providing jobs and you're fulfilling other people's dreams by having your dreams so big, you have the ability to build legacy that's that changes family history and changes family patterns, not just by you doing something different, not just one person, but your ability to live. Because I will say this and I say this all the time, everyone like you you want to constantly be a teacher and you want to constantly be learning but people don't learn by being taught they learn by caught meaning i'm modeling the example and i'm also doing what i say i'm going to do i'm living by what i'm saying i'm doing and that's how it's caught we don't get taught things and they don't sit around in a classroom we are we learn by example if the teacher's engaging and they care about the education of us we're going to catch it but if they don't care and it's a transactional deal, we're going to feel that as students and children are way more acute to this because they don't have all the nonsense and the baggage and all the stuff that we start to build as we get older and maturity and all the stuff and stuff comes up. But children can sense when someone's playing it over on them. They know when someone's not being lying. They may not know why they're lying or whatever, but you can sense it. And the children in the classroom, they know when the person's not legitimately caring about them as being educated. And this is the example you know when someone's just trying to do their job and tell you something or they're on a power trip where they're trying to just teach it to you what i'm talking about is you want to look up and find the mentors as julian talked about juliano sorry um talked about is that it has to be caught and you have to find the mentors that have what you want 
if you want something and there's someone out there modeling what you want, the best way to go learn that is go by hanging around them. They're going to tell you things and they're going to teach you, but what you're going to catch is by watching them and being influenced by them and not only listening to what they say, but doing the things that they did and acting in the way that they did to get it and finding your own way to do it. I don't mean do it exactly like them. There can only be one of you or one of that person, but they're acting in a way that you want to catch it. And I think that that's the thing that we do in the businesses and you're doing it with your business is it's attraction versus promotion. You're not out there promoting your business. You're attracting people to it. You're giving away good product to attract people to your business. You're living a good atmosphere. You're you're building good employees. You're providing good food. You're providing a good service. That is attraction, not necessarily promotion because there are a lot of people that can advertise all day long and get people in their business, but it's just a promotion and it's not long-term. A buy one, get one free and attracting a thousand people in a day is maybe good for your business that day, but it's not going to keep people going all the time. You have to, once they're there, attract them and catch them by having superior service, superior environment, core values in your business, so on and so forth. So, Giano, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking your Easter Sunday and spending it with me a little bit um, and spreading the good word because that is what we're doing. So, um, thank you. Where can thank they, you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Where can they find you online? So, 303 in the cut on every single platform. We're on uh, Instagram, we're on TikTok, website, Google, Yelp. You put in 303 in the cut, we are the number one search result in Google, no matter what part of the country you live in. Awesome. And thank you for taking so much time with me today. I really appreciate it. I know we went longer than expected, but there's just so much valuable nuggets in there of knowledge that I felt could be caught um, by the audience if they really listened. So I hope our audience caught some stuff today. Thank you everyone for listening in. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at just the food entrepreneurs. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And if you're feeling hungry, Go online to doordash.com and get yourself some food. So thank you, everyone, for listening in, and we're out.